Effective communication is important because it helps identify your place in business decisions and personal decisions. Welcome to Communication Matters with Deborah Malnix. Anywhere you go, with everything you do, wherever you live, and whoever you know, communication matters. Now, here's your host, Deborah Malnix. Hello, everyone. My name is Deborah Malnix, and I am the host of Communication Matters a show that focuses on the importance of communication, not only in business, but in everyday life. Every success starts with communication, and we will discuss how others have used communication to their advantage and how you too can use communication. Today, we have a special guest, Lynn Hubsman, a professional therapist and respected speaker on topics that include sex, love, personal relations, and communications, and the critical role that they play in our lives, our happiness, and our success. Lynn graduated from the University of Pennsylvania as an undergraduate and from its master's program in social work. For 10 years, Lynn was counselor and director of family life education for Jewish Family Services, where she met with approximately 250 groups a year to speak about the importance of relationships in our lives. Lynn was director of social work at Pennsylvania Hospital in Philadelphia for almost 15 years practicing pre-marriage, marriage, and sex therapies and counseling while she maintained a private practice as well. Lynn is the author of four books, the first written on medical social work, the second written over 20 years ago on transsexual issues, and the third and fourth are two award-winning books published under her name and trademark, Woozy Wisdom, about life, sex, and love. Lynn also hosts a series of podcasts on Spotify under her name, Woozy Wisdom. Lynn has appeared on national TV, been a guest on talk shows, and is a well-known speaker. She lives in Philadelphia and South Florida with her husband, Emil. Together, they have two married daughters and three grandchildren. Today, we will hear some of Lynn's insights on the important role that communication plays in both our personal and professional lives. Welcome, Lynn. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's a joy to be with you, Deborah. It's fun. Well, you know, when I was introducing you, I kept thinking you are so in tune with communication. So often people will tell me, well, I don't really communicate, but they do. They just don't realize how much they communicate. But in your, um, your profile, your, your background, I mean, it has been so concentrated in communications and how important they are in life. Because well, it's, it's what relationships are based on. Yes. And, and so, I'm sorry. We have all species communicate in some form or another. We humans have the widest range. And of course, we all know we have verbal, nonverbal, uh, written communication. And today we have virtual communication, which is a little different. And it really depends on what you give out and the way in which you do it that determines what happens when you communicate with other people. And even, as you said, Deborah, people who say they don't communicate, that's a communication. That's a message. It is a message. You're telling us they don't communicate. It's a message. And we give out uh, positive and negative gestures. Uh, You always know who likes you and who doesn't, no matter what they say or do. It's based on feelings. and. The, the problems come in in a variety of forms. Um, 
we have direct communication, which is uh, pretty easy to understand. And we also have um, what I call a couched communication. There are people who just want to be noticed and they find ways to, quote, communicate and get noticed. And there are other people who are shy, retiring, and they communicate their message. But what really happens sometimes that causes problems is that the couched, what I call couched communication gets in the way. And that can be there are people who will use intellect. Everything they communicate is on an intellectual basis. Or people will use humor to get a message out. Uh, sometimes people use sarcasm and communicate in that way. Do you and, that, excuse me, do you feel that that is a choice they make because they are uncomfortable in communications? Or do you think that's a style that they've decided to use? Well, I don't think it's conscious. I think that we all learn how to communicate from the day we're born and our feelings about who we are and ourselves. Um, if I said to you, do you know whether you were a wanted child? Do you know whether you were the sex child that your parents desired? Uh, do you know if you reminded them of themselves or something they liked or disliked with themselves or somebody else? All of that feeds into how you get to feel about yourself and who you are. And, you know, as children, we're victims of parents. And many of us get bad messages and sometimes they never go away in a lifetime. Others are given faulty messages. The kid that comes home with the drawing from kindergarten and the mother acts like this kid's Picasso gets a faulty message. Um, some children are really just loved for who they are and they have adult mature parents who respond to their needs, and those children become um, adults that feel good about themselves and give out messages that say, I'm full, and I therefore have something to give to you. When you're not fulfilled yourself, it's difficult to have something to give out to other people. And we all know unhappy people, we know happy people, we know mature people, we know immature people. And in childhood, a lot of that groundwork gets laid. And later on, it comes out in the way of who we are and how we get our message across in communicating it. In families, we're also assigned roles. In a family, a kid is designated the smart one. Another kid is designated the clown, uh, can be the uh, peacemaker. And those roles, again, get, get in the way sometimes in later life because we don't shed them again easily. So all of that early 
messaging, if you will, teaches us who we are, how we feel about ourselves, uh, what role we play in life, and whether we feel good or, or not good. Sometimes we just have a bad day and we communicate um, in a very negative way that has nothing to do with the person we're communicating with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear stories about women, had a, you have a bad hair day. So you're grumpy and nasty to your husband. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the husband. Right. We, we, we all have these cues that are very prevalent in our society. Oh, what's wrong? You, you know, you seem angry today or, oh, is that an old dress? Or, oh, that doesn't look good on you, that color. And I think right. that how we respond to that, because it is communication in different ways. Right. And I think that we have to be conscious of that so that if we do want to change we have right because change. yeah and because from the family and that early learning we then go out in the world and the message is either duplicated or changed from teachers from peers from later on boyfriends girlfriends um, we get you know that message either drilled in or it gets confusing because you, you get a different message and then you have to try and figure out which is the real one. You said something a little bit earlier, which I, I think is very fascinating. And it's that we all know people who reply with a joke or will ask them something and they'll well, try and be funny. And it is communication, but it's not really what I call honest communication. I'm asking a question. I don't want a joke but it's almost a way that communication takes place that is false communication. It's hiding behind this communication. And I, we all know some people who really never discuss feelings or emotions or anything in that capacity. They're always cracking a joke. And I think it's very interesting how they use communications to mask communications. Well, it's to mask the real message and, what we share with other people is tested over time. Um, normal, non-psychotic people don't share everything automatically, openly, because you're vulnerable. So we have to test people out. And sometimes people are just not honest. They can't be. They're hiding something or they don't trust other people or they don't think they'll be thought well of if this person hears or knows this or that about them. So to get genuine, honest um, communication takes a lot of time and a lot of testing. And we all have defenses and we all filter what we say and do with other people so that we protect ourselves and we protect the core of who we are. We're not, um, I use the word naked, but the real intimate, intense relationship is with people who love one another and who are naked literally with each other. And that takes time and testing. And if you've been burned, 
you're very careful and you can build up a wall around yourself. And some people have, I call it like tissue paper walls around themselves. They're easy to get to know. They're comfortable uh, with themselves, with other people. And some people have walls that are made of steel that you can never really get through to the real, you never feel the real person. Now, let me ask you a question as, as a therapist, when you just said some people have walls of steel. Is that something that really developed over many years from childhood or are some people simply because of different personalities or because the way their parents, let's say, raise them as children, develop these steel walls? I mean, is that something that is a natural component or, is, or can be a natural component or is it something that is really happens over time? And it's, for someone to- it's learned Sorry. and it's learned based on bad experiences. Mm-hmm. And when you have bad experiences, you're going to try and protect yourself and not be hurt. And when you're vulnerable, which people are when they are, quote, in love, you can be hurt. And that's the whole point of an intense, intimate, loving relationship. And lots of people don't want to risk it. And they don't want to take that chance. And those that have been burned are maybe never going to try it again. So, yeah, uh, to answer your question, nobody comes with a wall around them. You learn it based on bad, unhappy, unpleasant, terrible experiences. And there are a lot of people in this world that have these walls around them. And it's, it's hard to get them down. Um, I, I know. And, and it's unfortunate because I think they're missing a lot of the most wonderful experiences of touching someone through community. Yeah, but it's scary. It's frightening because you are really able to be hurt in the heart in a way that nothing else will do. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, you don't want to go through that again. What do you feel you lose by that? If someone, let's say, has a wall around them to protect themselves, what do they lose as an individual by having that wall? Now, these are people who were hurt. You said they were hurt. This is why they have the wall. So that wall provides a feeling of protection, security, all of the things that enable them to continue on a daily basis. What do they lose as a human without the communication that directly touches another person? Yeah, that's a that's really a, a wonderful question, Deborah. And it depends. It depends whether it's in a personal relationship, a loving relationship, a business relationship, a partnership. Um, what you lose is the ability to connect in a way that is rewarding and deep. And it's not just superficial, because if you're protecting yourself, you have to be on guard all the time. It can't just flow. And it's it's a way of keeping people at arm's length. 
And once you keep people at arm's length, you're not embracing them. And missing that embrace or that closeness for my money is tragic. And lots of people are afraid to do it. And it is, it's frightening. It's frightening. Do you think the ability to communicate today is more important or less important than it was, let's say, a decade ago or two decades ago? There are many people who say there's no reason to verbally communicate anymore because you can do it on the computer or online. You could, you know, send a text message that the verbal communication is becoming less and less important. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I think that people are not connecting eye to eye and neighbor to neighbor the way they used to. And I think that um, technology has replaced some of that. And I also think, and I you know, deal with a lot of younger people, this instant connection and instant intimacy that goes on today is not going to work in the long run because it's not fulfilling, it's not lasting, and it doesn't have all of the pieces that a real relationship should have. So today, you're right, um, technology has replaced a lot of uh, what used to be one-on-one and time spent together and being able to look at the body language and what people are uh, doing while they're talking to you. I think uh, that's going to be a real problem down the road. And when we talk about robots taking over, um, we're headed that way. At times, I think it's possible in the future to really become a nonverbal society because we are becoming more and more dependent on the instruments themselves, the computer to develop the messages for us. How many times we've been, let's say, sending something digitally and they'll say, would you like to add a special note? Wish I could see you soon or have a great week and I'll be thinking of you um, over the next 24 hours. And the computer is giving us those lines that typically would come from the human as an element of sensitivity and it's coming from right. a computer. <laughs> Pick your favorite right. line. What would you like to say as you develop this message of intimacy? Right, <laughs> right, right. One of the exercises I um, used to do in marriage counseling is kind of interesting. I would have a partner say some message of um, feeling, basically. And then I would say to the other partner, can you repeat what your spouse said? And they would repeat most of the words. And then I would say, and what do you think they're really trying to tell you? And it was always wrong. (laughs) That's very interesting. Always wrong. Because I would go go back to the partner and say, what were you really trying to send as a message? And the partner never, never got it, never understood it, never wanted to go deeper under it. And it's fascinating to watch couples communicate and see what, what they're really saying to one another. 
Well, one of my favorite um, stories that I have mentioned once before was walking into a restaurant with a friend and there was a family of five at a table, uh, parents and three children, and everyone had a phone. Right. And everyone was using the phone and there was right. absolutely no conversation. Mm-hmm. And I would look over <clears throat> occasionally and they would still be on their phone individually. Yeah. And yeah. to me, dinner is a time when you can talk, when you can share stories, when you could really communicate on, on a very nice, relaxed level. But I don't think there was a word spoken except when the husband said, I'll have another beer. <laughs> and <laughs> well, that's a message. <laughs> that's a message. Otherwise, they never spoke a word. And I thought, how empty that must be. How, how void. Everybody's in their own little domain. Um, when we go out and we see young couples, the same thing. Um, they can be on a date or married, whatever. Each one of them is looking at the cell phone and not really talking to one another. And you wonder, you know, what's the point of being there together physically when nothing, you know, emotionally is really going on. Um, Sometimes there's also a problem in communication with misinterpreting uh, what someone is saying that you, like I said, with couples, it, it can happen in business. It can happen on any level. People think they know what the message is and they act on that but it, it wasn't the real message. And that can cause big problems. Well, that's where I believe visuals are so important. Um, tone of voice is so important. Communication isn't just verbal. It's, it's body language. It's, it's right. how you have an expression on your face. And you could say the same line with a different voice tone, um, right. with a, a different stance, with right. a certain look, and it will convey a different message, which is why I, I am so invigorated by communications because of the, the great flexibility of communications and how we use them. I would hate to see verbal communication lost. I, I, I don't know if one day it, it will be gone, but I think that verbal communication is a way to really touch someone, to really be able to connect with someone. Having someone say, you look really great today, or I really appreciated the work you did on that project. You did a great job. That's verbal communication that makes someone feel good. It right. goes beyond a message. And right, it, but it, there's it, a lot of negative communication yes, also. Mm-hmm. I mean, with communication, you can be respected, you can be feared, you can be hated, you can be loved. There's a whole whole range of reactions to you and your communication. And you have to, it seems to me, at least be somewhat aware of how you're coming across. And over time, you know how you come across. You know the people that in a group other people really want to be around and enjoy. And you know the ones that they don't want to be around. Where would a person go or what would they do, in your opinion, if they knew that they really did not communicate well? I sometimes hear people say, well, I know I'm not a good communicator. And I think the more you say that, the more you become, 
the other communicator who's not very good. Right. So you're telling yourself you're not good. And, and, I, and I am such a believer in positive thinking. But where would a person go if they knew that they had a problem verbalizing or communicating well with others to become well, better, I, to increase yeah, their I skills? Think therapy can help with that because it really goes back <clears throat> to where we started and how you feel about yourself and the messages that you give out. And therapy um, is helpful because it can look at the roots. It can maybe have you correct faulty images of yourself and look at why you're, quote, not a good communicator. Uh, everybody communicates. It's, um, it's good. It's bad. It's uh, mediocre, it's whatever, it's a bad day, it's a good day. But overall, we all get a sense of who we are and how, how we relate to, to other people. And again, I've had people who can only relate to children or dogs. And I've had people who can only be sexy and flirt and relate in that way. And other people who want nothing to do with the same sex. I mean, it's, it's the gamut. And it goes back to who you are, how you feel about yourself, and the message that you want to give out. Let me ask you a question in terms of communication. Many people say, I, I really want to change, I really, but they don't know where to go or what to do. What was one of the best pieces of advice you ever received regarding communications? Was there a point where someone told you something or, or gave you some advice and you said that really worked or that really helped? You mean as an individual, mm -hmm. myself? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I had somebody <laughs> close to me say, shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I must say, I have heard that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, you know, that's a nice, solid piece of advice. I mean, because yeah. people are trying to get their thought across. Right. And, and you're trying to get all your thoughts across as well. I right. mean, communication, it's just like reading a beautiful book of poetry or a, a riveting book, a thriller, a mystery. The way words are said, the way words are strung together Oftentimes, if I'm reading a book, I will stop and I will say, this is such a beautiful sentence. Yeah. It's just, it's beautiful. Words can be beautiful. Words can be hateful. Words could be damaging. Words could be enthusiastic. And it's all communication in how you put those words together. And I am such a believer in emphasis and happiness that comes through your voice because it relates to the other person. When you're talking to them and you're giving off a feeling of happiness that it's so nice to see you and I hadn't seen you for such a long time is a lot more beneficial than, oh, it's good to see you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No question about it. Um, people who are fulfilled and happy and loving uh, are people that you want to be around uh, because they, they feel good and they make you feel good. Now, as a therapist, what would you or what would you say to our audience if they wanted to be better at communication? What would they do to improve their style? Um, we, we said a little bit about, you know, that a therapist would help. 
would something like practicing or or one of my favorite visuals is practice with a lamp. Have a conversation with a lamp. Doesn't talk back. You don't have to worry about answering any questions, but it gives yeah. you a chance. Do you believe that if a person practices better communication, he or she will become a better communicator? Well, <clears throat> I don't know about practicing with a lamp, but I think that <laughs> um, one of one of the best ways I think that can be helpful is to be interested in the other person mm -hmm. and to talk about them. The people who are narcissistic or only talk about themselves, what they're doing, what they're thinking, yada, 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 um, they're communicating, but they're not connected. And to be connected, you have to be interested and want to know about the other human being. So I would say a good start would be to ask questions about that person and that person's life and be interested in them. And that will get a message across right away. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's inviting communication rather than shutting communication off. Right. I think that is very, very important. Can you give our audience an example of a communication success? As a therapist, you're probably always dealing with communication. He doesn't listen. Uh, she never appreciates what I'm trying to do. It's, I think so many times when people are in love, they're not really listening because they think love will do all of the talking for them. And that's just not the way it works. Or they think the other person already knows what they're going to say, so they don't have to say it, that they have been over it. Um, I think part of the real issue is being boring and just getting so used to patterns that nobody really hears or pays attention so much. And that that's boring. So... My advice would be, and the successes that I've worked with, have helped people be more interesting and have lives that they can share uh, apart from the relationship and bring something new, something creative, uh, a new idea, um, a trip someplace, something that's not the everyday ho-hum, ho-hum, oh yeah because that turns people off. They don't even hear it after a while. You know what, it's very interesting when I, I work with students and um, one of the things that I always tell them is everyone loves a story. They like a story, it's, it's a human connection. And when someone asks you, what do you do? What's your job? And you say, IT and nothing else, end of story. Right. Well, you just cut off an opportunity to really connect with that other person. And I hear that so often. This is your opportunity to tell a story, to involve the other person. And it's not by saying what you do. It's by saying how you do it, what you work at on a daily basis, how it's affecting your life, how satisfied you are by it, how much you enjoy it, how much you hate it. But it's a story. And that mm -hmm. story is what grasps, grasps the person and brings them into your story. Yeah, that's nicely said. Um, and you make it fun. 
you make it interesting. You make it something that they want to go on and learn more about. Mm-hmm. It's not just flat. Right. And it's interesting. When I talk to a lot of people in HR, they always say they look for people who can communicate easily and effectively. Because as we do depend more on the computer to create our sentences and compose our letters, that ability to connect, it's my phrase that I use, which is human connection. I think as humans, we're pack animals, we, we connect with others. And when you give someone the ability to connect through communication, it's a much happier experience. And you don't connect when you just answer in one word sentences or when you simply say what your job is. Create a visual about it. We love visuals. We're a very visual society. And I'm always amazed at how much trouble some people have in communicating. And I think that communication is, is a basic core of who we are as a pack animal. As communicators in a pack, it's important for us to feel that we are connected. Correct. Well, other species connect out of necessity, uh, where the food is, how to avoid danger. And in the beginning, humans connected in that way also. But we have evolved uh, to a point where um, we're way, way beyond that. And the problem today is... um, communicating in a honest, direct um, way that really exposes who you are. Which is very frightening to many people. Exactly. And lots of people don't do it. And that's why lots of people don't have great relationships in their love lives. I mean, if I said to you, how many people do you know who have really great a really great relationship. Most people don't know many. And over time, it it really is a problem because as we said earlier, people get bored, people take people for granted, people think they know what the other one's thinking, nothing interesting or creative is being added, and it it kind of dies. And the communication becomes uh, flat. Mm-hmm. It's not juicy anymore. Patients will ever, I'm going to say go out of style, but be utilized less and less and become secondary, let's say, to simply getting a message to the person via text or digital or a computer. No, no, I, I really don't. Uh, I think I'm happy people- to hear that. <laughs> I think most people long to love and be loved. And there's only one way to get there. And that's, <laughs> that's with communication. With communication. I, I think that that is, I hope it never goes out of style because I think we would lose an incredible part of who we are. Well, we will because the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. What is something that you think everyone should be aware of or learn about communication in their career and in their personal life? Something that is very important to know. I think looking in the mirror and having insight 
is the most helpful to really know um, who you are and what you're made of. And don't fool yourself first. Well, I think that comes from being comfortable with who you are and what you are. I, I know so many people who are trying to be what they're not when being what they are could be so fulfilling. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Um, it's true. Um, people put on a show, and in America, we have some values and standards that make it difficult that, you know, a female has to be tall, thin, beautiful, a guy has to have money, a fancy car, all the superficial crap that goes on. And we don't teach people how to feel good about themselves and how to really connect with other people. And we don't teach the core of what I teach and deal with sexuality. Um, It's blatant everywhere, but the real core issue is never really taught. You know, one of the things I I always feel is that they should teach finances in high school. I think they should teach budgeting. They should teach track of what you're spending. And when you had said that, I thought, you know, they should just teach sexuality in school and relationships. Well, I've been doing it for my whole career for 40 years. And I can tell you that. Years ago, we would go into the schools, we'd come out, and our tires would be slashed. Really? Yeah. And then we'd have a whole religious group carry on about what we were doing. And we went to Pennhurst, which had uh, people who had mental health problems, and we thought they should know about sexuality. And one of the people living there came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, Lynn, We can't do that because the matron told us we'll never get out of here if we talk about sex. And that kind of stuff still goes on. Look at what's going on in America today around sexuality. I mean, it it doesn't stop. It's a hypocritical country. I have, um, and you, you know, a granddaughter who was... Uh, graduated valedictorian from a very fancy private school. And she was concerned about what she should talk about. So I had an epiphany and I called her up and I said, listen, I have an idea of a topic for you. She said, great. What is it? I said, I think you should say that no one should be allowed to graduate from high school, let alone college, without knowing how to be orgasmic and have their partner be orgasmic. She said, I don't think I can say that. So she gave, a, she gave a very boring speech. But that was my idea. I mean, we do not teach people about things that are really important and to communicate about them. It's well, too sensitive. Yes. And I don't know. I honestly don't know if that is ever going to change. I sometimes look at this country. We're such a young country and we still have such a difficult time. We don't have the old baggage of, of Europe and, and thousand-year history of wars. And, and yet we still can't seem to connect with one another. We still can't seem to say what we really mean. We can't seem to be honest with our feelings. And I don't know why, but I think that 
we really miss a lot. When you look at animals sometimes and they're in packs and it's so evident what they're feeling, anger, so they'll kick out at someone or happiness and they'll wrap their smoke around someone. It's a very basic way of communication. And we have put so many, so many stops on what we should say and we should only say this and don't give too much information. And I think that communication is the way we touch each other. Yeah, and what about all this politically correct stuff that's going on? I mean, professors can't talk about things, or parents carrying on about what their children are learning. I mean, it's it's a hypocritical country. I, I we we are, we are hypocritical about a lot of things. Yes, and and it's really it comes down to each person is is you know, driven by what they believe in, believing that what they believe in should be the way everyone believes. And it's just not um, the way it actually has been. Let me ask you a question. Who has been one of the most influential people in your life in terms of communication? Uh, did you model your interest or your, your method, your methodology of communication on someone you knew or someone you saw or someone you admired? Or was it something that you developed over time because you saw so many people lacking the ability to communicate. No, I think, excuse me, I think I learned over time um, to be me and not have to put on what someone else was expecting um, me to be or to to look like a role model that's uh, a movie star in Hollywood or someone else that wasn't really me. But my real, um, my real influence in my life was a grandmother. And she came um, from Russia, didn't speak much English when she came, had five little children, was widowed very young. Went into business and became successful and was the most loving person I have ever come across. Loving to the point I, I laugh when I say it. If she knew Hitler, she'd find something good about him to love him. But she was this kind of loving, embracing uh, family woman that was just... Um, a model for me as a young, young child. And then as I got older, I always knew I wanted to help people. And when I got into graduate school and started doing marriage counseling and sex education, it really hit a nerve. It was what I thought people needed. So um, the people that taught me and um, professionally guided me were, were very helpful. Did you have any idea that that would be the area you would go into as a therapist, as a, as a counselor? I mean, was it something that you knew early on or was it something that you really decided on after dealing with so many people who really couldn't communicate? No, as a very little girl, my parents bickered all the time, and I was not happy. I was an only child, and I decided I was going to be a child psychologist and help children. Mm -hmm. And that was from the time I was like seven years old. And then as I got older, um, I decided um, I wanted to do something with adults 
and with um, love and sex, because that was the core of what I thought was important. So that's where I concentrated, and that's where I had my education. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. We're coming to the close of the program, but I must say you've, we've talked about some interesting areas of life that are not really delved into typically on a, on a radio program. <laughs> but I think, that, I think that being honest and communicating with anyone is, is something that adds to your life. It's not something that subtracts from it. Even if your honesty, let's say with someone has a negative effect, I think that the positive effect it has on you if you've said something that you feel might help someone is really very important. And I think that communication is at the core of everything we do. It's at the, it's at the core of every success. Nothing, nothing can be a success without communication. And we sometimes don't give it enough credit. I want to ask you as one of the last questions, was there anything that you wanted me to ask you but didn't or anything you wanted to say that was not covered in terms of relationships and the importance of open and honest communication? Well, that's a very uh, generous offer. And most times when I'm interviewed or doing things, I don't get that question. But um, no, I think we covered most of what was important. And I think your own intelligence uh, comes across in dealing with uh, a topic that, that, as you said, it's the core it's the core of life, and it won't go away, Deborah. It won't. It can't go away. So I don't think we have to worry. We have to worry about the planet disappearing, but not about communication. If the planet disappears, I think the communication will disappear with it. <laughs> yeah. Lynn, um, it, you were very, very enjoyable, and, and I love your perspective on the importance. I think sometimes we we overlook it casually, but I think that love, sexuality, communication, all makes us inherently much better people, a much better person, because we're including more that we are in ourselves. And I thank you very much for coming on the program and discussing some of your views and some of your perspectives. And, and um, it was very interesting. And I thank you very much. And oh, I it's hope a that pleasure. it's a pleasure. Future. And it's all in my book, Woozy Wisdom. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, and I mentioned that in the front and it will be on the, the Voice America um, right. informational page as well. Right. And what I love about Lynn is she just has a wonderful attitude about sex and wisdom, woozy wisdom. And, and that's one of her trademark names. And it's wonderful to see people treat sexuality and communication in that vein, rather as kind of covering it up and being embarrassed by it, because it is a form of communication. It is a way we become closer to people. And it is a way that makes us better people for having that ability. I thank you. I hope that you have a wonderful new year filled with lots of pleasure and successes and more books. And I thank the audience and we will be back with more podcasts in the very near future. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Communication Matters can be heard on the Voice America Business Channel. Check and listen for new shows every week. Until our next program, keep the communication going.